Well, hello and welcome to Open Nation. Today marks a special occasion with the first Teopa Community Podcast. Now, this has been an idea for a while, but we decided that 2021 was going to be the launch. So thank you again for joining us on this maiden voyage. So real quick, our goal with the Teopa Community Podcast is to present information and ideas that help practices grow through the experience of others. And we'll present information from knowledgeable people in the industry, as well as Teopa member practices that want to see your practice grow and succeed as well. Okay, many of our conversations are going to focus on ways that practices can directly increase revenues through proven programs, improve business practices, and maybe even some specific skill training. And with a rough year behind us, everyone is looking for ways to make up ground and rethink how they deliver the best healthcare possible. So myself and everyone at Teopa encourages every provider and manager to listen to these podcasts because we're trying hard to bring relevance to you in each one that we produce. And by the way, my name is Scott Bullington, and I'll be your host for each of these episodes. My company, Integrated Medical Services, has been serving independent physicians since 1997, and we've enjoyed a great partnership in Teopa community and helping to build stronger practices through the sharing of knowledge. That's enough about me. You're really here to meet today's guest, and we're going to do that right after News and Notes with Ginger, sponsored by Bull Rose Productions. Social media marketing and branding is an important part of today's business strategy. Your patients want to get to know you and your practice on a more personal level, which also helps bring in new clientele. So let Bull Rose Productions take your digital marketing by the horns and help you build that bond with your current and future patients. Thanks, Scott. And thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we do have some exciting news at Teopa. We are expanding and adding a department. Uh, as you all know, we have the credentialing department and provider relations, and now we're adding a quality performance department. And what that means is we'll have uh, a team that will be reaching out to the networks uh, that offer the shared savings programs and finding out from the networks who, what care gaps need to be closed and which of your offices need help in getting that done. Um, if you're a high performing PCP, then you already know that if you just keep doing what you're doing, you're providing excellent patient care, then uh, your scores are high. But there are those of you who don't really know how to do that, your office uh, staff, are not familiar and it's not as complicated as it seems. And we're, our new department is going to help uh, those of you who wanna raise your scores. Just remember when in those type of plans, uh, the high performers and the, and the ones that aren't so high and performing, everybody gets the same in bonus. But so we, our goal is to raise the, the scores of those that are lower so that everybody uh, does better patients, get better care, and Teopa uh, does well. And it also just increases our uh, clout to the networks. So I want everybody to have a great day. If you have any questions about this, please feel free to reach out to me so I can connect you with that department. Well, thanks for that update, Ginger. 
Now, our guest today is Lisa McFan. And since I've met Lisa, I've been so impressed and learned so much with the knowledge she brings about revenue optimization and value-based contract strategies. And the results that practices have benefited with are nothing short of amazing. We appreciate you being on today, Lisa. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a fun fact and, um, and then tell us uh, some background on how this revenue optimization came about. Well, thank you for having me today, Scott. So I've been in healthcare a little over 26 years, and I have watched healthcare change drastically over the last 10. So one of the things that we quickly realized when value-based care came to a realization in the healthcare and reimbursement shifted from straight fee-for-service to value-based reimbursement, we, we recognized immediately that the physicians were struggling to make that transition. And during that struggle, they were leaving a lot of revenue on the table. So one of the things that we did was we developed a program that analyzes the CPT and ICD-10 codes. And that's the way the RevMax really was born was through the troubles that the physicians were having, maximizing their revenue and truly transitioning from straight fee-for-service to value-based care. So a fun fact a fun fact about me is not only have I been in healthcare for a very long time, I also co-own with my two daughters, a Irish pub in Brunswick, Georgia. That's pretty cool. So I got to, I got to ask you this question. It's an Irish pub. Do you serve shepherd's pie? We actually serve the best shepherd's pie. <laughs> Good deal. I love the confidence in that answer. So yes. I will, um, I am going to have to check that place out. So um, kind of circling back around to the uh, revenue program. It, it sounds to me like, in, and I think in all of our experience that what we've really seen is in the fee for service world, one, those contracts are kind of going by the wayside and two, the raises or the increases each year have really kind of flattened. So now if physicians are going to make any additional money or if they're going to increase their revenue, they're going to have to do it through value-based contracts. I mean, am I correct? You're absolutely correct, right? So physicians are no longer being reimbursed based off of the number of interventions or, or that's performed, lab tests, x-rays, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They're actually being reimbursed today on healthcare outcomes. So, you know, was the patient readmitted within 30 days? Have we diagnosed them to the highest level of specificity, painting the true picture of the patient so that the payers know how much money to set aside to ensure that they can manage financially those patients that's inside of their attribution? So absolutely, you're spot on. Right. And, and I want to go back to, um, you, you just said diagnosis, and we're going to go back to that here in a little bit. But also in, um, in, in the conversation of value-based care, you also said really struggling to transition. And, and I think one of the biggest things that we've seen and we've ran into in, in conversations with practices is they really don't know what that transition is. And for the longest time, you know, we've always thought in healthcare, well, as long as we see the patient, we do the service, we get them well, everything is good. But now a lot of the codes that are used in your audit or your analysis for better word, um, really have to do with a lot more screenings that I don't think a lot of practices are even familiar with. I mean, um, so what, what are some of those when you talk about the struggle 
it's the struggle for them one to understand and then the other part of that struggle is to transition once they understand correct that is correct and whenever you talk about value-based care and the quality measures part of it you're talking about all of the preventive services that medicare has outlined so if providers are currently contracted with Medicare or any Medicare Advantage or any commercial contract out there, they have to do and meet quality measure standards based on that contract. So some of those are like annual wellness visits, advanced care planning, depression screening, smoking sensation, alcohol screening. It's things that physicians already do every single day. That's just part of their practice. That's part of them being a good physician. The disconnect is making sure that those payers understand exactly what's being done by putting that code in the right place on that 1500 when they submit that in to the payer. So the way we talk to payers is not via words, it's via codes. So if we don't outline our conversation, if you will, on each patient the right way through a coding from their coding ICD-10 or CPT codes, then the payer doesn't know what has been done or how sick the actual patient is. And that's where we come in and do an analysis on both sides of those spectrum. We look at all of the ICD-10s to make sure that the highest level of specificity is being used from a risk adjustment perspective. And then on the revenue maximization side, we look at all of the preventive service codes that's currently being used to make sure that it matches up with the diagnosis that the provider has submitted that they've actually billed for a smoking sensation. So if you take smoking, just as, a, as an example, if a patient comes in and they tell a physician that they smoke, instead of coding that patient as a, and they have a cough, instead of coding that patient as just a cough or a chronic cough, they would code that patient as a smoker's cough. Well, they're also gonna, gonna talk to that patient about smoking cessation. The problem is, is most physicians or most of their billing team, they don't take that smoke and cessation that was performed by that physician and move that over to their billing to the 1500. So they're not being paid for it, even though they provided the services. And, and, on, and, and in that particular context, um, so you have smoking cessation. The other thing in, in a couple of the practices that you and I both looked at the other thing we saw was um, obesity counseling uh, yes. was a big miss. Uh, depression screening. Some people are doing depression screening, but not everybody is. But the other thing that I think practices would be really surprised is how many of the well exams they're not billing. Um, and that brings me to my next question. So let's talk about some of the outcomes that you're seeing with this and, and how the practices are really benefiting because up until now, you know, we've really just said, Hey, there's things you're missing out on, but now I think it's time to kind of let's lay down some numbers and give some people some information on how much we're seeing practices are missing out on. Absolutely. So the minimum that we generally see in a small private practice one or two physicians is minimal 150,000 that's been left on the table. Mm -hmm. um, the maximum, now we work with very large health systems across the United States. One of our largest was over $21 million. Now this is a very large health system that's got a lot of internal medicine, primary care practices. 
but that's a lot of money. You can believe they immediately went into action to put processes in place that were scalable across all of their practices and that was able to be you know, maintained because it's not difficult. It's just the knowledge. You just got to, they've got to be able to have the knowledge of what's being missed and then the processes in, in the education so that the staff really is the one who helps these physicians ensure that these codes are being placed appropriately. Exactly. Yep. And so, like you said, I mean, you've seen upwards of $21 million and, but even in a small practice, uh, I don't think there's anybody that is hearing our voices right now that would scoff at $150,000 more in revenue based on just implementing um, procedures that capture this information. And um, if you're a one provider practice and just a couple of staff, I mean, $150,000, yeah, if you don't want it, you can, they can give it back to you and I, right? That's exactly right. Um, and well, and it's, it's such an easy process to transition to. So most of the time when people hear that, they're like, well, yeah, right. You know, that's, that's a one-off. That doesn't apply to me. Well, that's exactly the reason that we take their specific codes. So if you think about on the missed revenue, these are codes that you actually submitted in in the last year. There's no PHI shared. And you know, we use your codes, your practice. So this is coming ex exactly from your patient population. And this is how much money you truly miss. This is not an, a, a, an estimate. This is factual. And then on the coding side of the house, we look at all the ICD-10 codes so that we can see what is the highest level of specificity. So when you're talking about, you know, the diagnosing Whenever you're, whenever you're coding diabetes, you know, most the, the most misused code that we see is E11.9, which is basically simple di diabetes, right? Whenever a lot of the cases they have neuropathy, you know, there's a lot more that goes on with diabetes that could be coded at a higher level to be able to prove how sick that patient is and that they need more money than a healthier patient. Exactly. And I, I want to just kind of make one other emphasis is the two practices that you and I looked at for, for anyone out there thinking, well, you know, I think we do pretty good. I, it's probably just that practice. These were two very savvy practices. These are two practices that are at the high end of their game especially in um, shared savings programs and value-based contracts that they're already in. I mean, they're considered to be high scorers. And, um, and I think it just goes to show that we don't know what we don't know. And, um, and, and there's always a benefit because at the end of the day, there's really, you risk nothing by taking the analysis. Um, uh, but everybody has something to benefit by knowing or finding out what you don't know. So in, in, in the framework of what we talked about, so if, if someone wants to see an analysis of their, of their practice and how much revenue they might be missing on, what do, what do they need to do now to get started with that? So what we request is, I like to have a year's worth of CPT and ICD-10 codes. So all practice management systems, EMRs, 
you can go into the billing side of the house and pull based off of your payer mix, how many patients you have associated to that payer, whether it's Medicare, United Healthcare, Managed Care, whatever it is, and then all of the codes for the whole year. So just create an Excel of all your ICD-10s, all your CPTs, and we can do the analysis from there with the attribution. And, and so the attribution would be how many Medicare patients do you have? Um, and, um, and then everything really kind of works from there. And I, I, I do want to circle back a little bit because I think the one thing that we really didn't touch on that I think is so important with this whole program is when you do the analysis and you look at what it is you're missing, it brings an awareness. I mean, so, um, and, and I think a lot of times what happens is, especially for practices that are in an ACO or they have someone bring them information, a network uh, brings them information and says, Hey, these are the gaps that you're not recording. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That brings you awareness that it's not happening, but the problem is the implementation. The problem is creating the process. It's, it's the training, it's the learning, it's the throughput of taking what you learn and actually turning it into a repeatable and replicable process so that you capture this each and every time and it becomes much more um, uh, of your daily workflow. And that's where the benefit of your program really is, right? That is correct. So we have already built out, so we work with a lot of ACOs across the U.S. as well. And the really the core components of any value-based contract is your quality measures, your risk adjustment, and resource utilization. Well, what the payers have realized that they need to send on a monthly basis a document out that says, here's your five patients. We need to capture these diagnoses and these are the quality measures that need to be adhered. Well, that's great if you have a lot of extra staff because if you've got four or five different insurance companies, all of them are sending them out, you know, then you're just basically being reactive to the piece of paper. What we do is we come in and based off of the codes that's been submitted to us, we train specifically based on the needs of the office. We help develop and create those processes from the check-in person all the way back to the biller. So each person in that office plays a vital role in value-based care. And we have the simplified tools already in place to be able to walk in and provide that education. And we have got clients who have been with us year over year over year to where we went in and we provided the education in year one. And now we just simply go in and help them do their auditing. So instead of relying on those insurance companies, sending them on a monthly basis, we've changed that from a reactive to a proactive. So now where they didn't even understand their contracts when we first walked in, because they don't even really realize what the revenue opportunity of those are and what the potential revenue loss they're leaving on the table by per member per month opportunities or higher value-based dollars to the provider simply by adhering to these contract requirements. So that's where we come in. We come in, excuse me, and we, we review the contracts. We make sure that we understand exactly what that practice is being asked of. And then we develop out that education based on them. Yeah, I think I think that that that's the important part, and I think that's what everybody really needs to understand is that this is this is a process. It's an implementation. It is a relationship that you continue over time, um, so that you have these things in place. And I think that you just said the most important 
um, phrase, and that is being put in a position not to be reactive, but to be proactive. Mm -hmm. And that's what really turns these practices around. Well, and we've all worked in a practice. So everybody on my team has worked in a practice, a busy practice. So we understand what it's like. We actually know what it's like to be so busy that you are, you don't have time for a bathroom break, right? That you have to take a bite and then run and pull a patient back. So we're able to relate to each role in that office. And I have a diverse team so that we have already built them out. We know on the, in the front office, this is what they need. We know from a nursing perspective, this is what they need. And then we've developed cheat sheets so that they're not having to hunt, dig, and look. We put them right there in front of them. The other thing that we're able to come in and do as well is as we do the analysis of their CPT and ICD-10 codes, we're able to help them optimize their EMR. So where, you know, instead of them having to rely on that piece of paper or we're having to rely on making sure that they put the right CPT code so they can get that revenue. We help them build that out on the back end of their EMR so it's an automatic process. So depending on the practice, we're able to create, again, the education based on their skill sets and their needs. We work with patient, we've worked with practices that still on paper and help them create a strong value-based program, even in a paper scenario where you would think would be impossible because you have to do so much data mining and ensuring that you're tracking all of the quality measures and you're coding to the highest level of specificity across the board. Exactly. And, and, uh, and, and again, I, I just can't emphasize the importance of this. I think, um, you know, like I said early on uh, in the beginning, a lot of practices right now are looking for ways to create additional revenue just because the numbers are so low based on you know, the COVID situation. And, and this is the perfect way. I always say, I, I've said it before, if you can't get more people in the door right now, you have to figure out how to increase your average per patient value. And this is certainly one of the ways to do it. So um, I think we've covered a lot. And I know that we've got a lot of people's ears perked up right now. Um, Lisa, I want to thank you for being on today. We're going to take a break and hear from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, I'm gonna give y'all uh, information on how to get in touch with Lisa and myself uh, so that you can get your analysis started and take a look at what you're missing out on. We'll be right back. Did you know that Integrated Medical Services provides business coaching and mentorship to help your practice succeed in today's environment? When you arrive each morning and flip on the lights, do you feel as if the business puts a ring in your nose and flips you from one wall to the other? Well, practice coaching is designed to help you rethink how your business works as an organization and functions in a way you envisioned from the beginning. So for more information, email info at imstx.net. Hey, I want to thank Lisa McFan again for all the great information she provided. And I know many of you found gold in today's conversation. So to contact Lisa, her email address is lisa at lisamcfan.com. L-I-S-A at L-I-S-A-M-C-F-A-N-N dot com. Pretty easy, right? And you can always reach me just the same. It's Scott at IMSTX.net. Well, thank you all again for joining us today on this episode of Teopa Community Podcast. And I can't wait until next time. So until then, stay well and do good. Mm -hmm.